Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. In today's episode, we're really excited to have on our dear friend, Dustin Harder. Dustin is a pretty rockin' human being. He does all the things around food. He has a YouTube show called The Vegan Roadie. He's come out with a bazillion episodes taking you all around different places and locations and cities, showing you the vegan eats they have to offer there. He also has an awesome podcast that inspired having him on today. It's called Keep On Cooking. And he brings on cookbook authors, vegan cookbook authors specifically, to talk all about their book, to dive deep. And yeah, that is a a great one to listen to if you want some cookbook inspiration. And he has authored not one, not two, but three cookbooks of his own. In 2018, he came out with the Simply Vegan Cookbook. In 2019, he came out with Epic Vegan, which has an epic cover. You can check that out. And then he most recently came out with Epic Vegan Quick and Easy. So he has a lot of knowledge around food, around cookbooks. And in this episode, we dive into the good, the juicy, the delicious, the awesome, and the not so awesome of vegan cookbooks. There's a lot out there right now. And this episode is all about having you, helping you navigate the vegan cookbook space, figuring out how to find one is perfect for you and how to avoid the ones that might be a flop. He's also a generally nice person. And this is only the second time we've communicated with him that we have an episode on his podcast. But he just is this warm personality. And if you go over to his podcast, you will immediately love him as as we do as well. Yeah, he's funny too. Dustin, you're awesome. Now let's cue the show. But first, an episode about cookbooks would not be complete without a holler to our sponsor of this episode, Better Than Bouillon, which is an essential in my pantry, in Tony's pantry. And I'm if you're sure some, Dustin's I'm too. I'm sure Dustin's. I feel like if you're vegan and you cook, hopefully you've discovered Better Than Bouillon because it is an absolute essential. Instead of buying cans of soup broth or containers of soup broth that are not recyclable and are mostly water, you can get a condensed broth that you mix from with water at home. And that is bouillon. And better than bouillon is our favorite. It's our favorite. It comes in a little glass jar and it is packed with a bazillion servings. So it lasts kind of forever and it takes up absolutely no room in your pantry first because they are shelf stable and they last ages. But once you open it, you're going to want to pop it in the fridge and then it still takes up very little space. And all you need to do is take a teaspoon, take a little teaspoon of it and mix it with a cup of water. For each cup of water, you use a teaspoon of bouillon and you can make soups, you can make stews, and you can also use it for cool things like marinating tofu and veggies and all sorts of other stuff. We love better than bouillon. And it's really cost effective. It's usually four to six dollars for 36 servings. And that is a pretty affordable thing. Plus it, of course, doesn't take up too much space in your pantry. So definitely check them out. They are available at many, many grocery stores, likely your local grocery store, but you can find their store locator at betterthanbouillon.com. And one of the cool recipes that are is actually from our cookbooks, we have to give it a shout out, is the fettuccine alfredo. You can get the recipe in the show notes. We have it both on Tony's website and on World of Vegan. 
on plant-based on a budget and on world of vegan. And anytime a recipe calls for broth, vegetable broth, you can substitute bouillon and water. So definitely check that recipe out. It's one of our favorites ever. It's creamy Alfredo, fettuccine Alfredo. Hi, Dustin. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. We're so excited to chat with you. We've already given you your intro, so everyone knows all about you. (laughs) But first, tell us where you're calling from. Yes, I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in my my little home office slash gym slash whatever the room needs to be at any given time, guest bedroom, giving you a ring, Atlanta, Georgia. Is that where you're from? No, I'm from Michigan, but I was actually, I mean, New York's really home. I was in New York City for the last 20 years. Did you just move? We moved probably about a year and a half ago. It was okay. right before the pandemic started. Oh, that's good. That's good. I imagine finding a home during the pandemic was a challenge for people who had to move. Yes, especially right when everyone started moving. I can only imagine. I mean, we we ended up buying a condo in Atlanta sort of right after the summer. And even that, you know, the I guess the market's crazy. I don't know. It's the first home I ever bought. So people say stuff like that. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so you're from Michigan, spent a lot of time in New York. How long have you been veg? I have been veg for about, I want to say 12 years now. Whoa, cool. And was uh, was it easy for you? How did that happen? Mm, it wasn't, it wasn't. And what that means is when I first went vegan or started exploring it, I got really caught up in everyone's opinion on what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. And then when I sort of paused and met some really nice vegans who were like, hey, do what's comfortable and it'll all come naturally eventually, trial and error. Then it got really easy for me when I stopped being so hard on myself. So very beginning hard and then I kind of released the pressure and felt like, okay, every day I'm doing a little better than I was the day before. And that made it super easy for me. I remember listening to Colleen Patrick Goudreau give a talk at an Oakland Veg Fest and she was talking about how we need we feel this need as newer vegetarians and vegans to know everything, know Mm -hmm. biology, know evolution, know how people evolved to eat certain plants or animals or or whatever. Like we just need, like we need to be nutrition experts. And there's just so much pressure that we put on ourselves early on. And sometimes it just takes someone telling us, you don't need to do that. You could just say, I don't want to talk about it. It's funny how so many people experience what you felt. And taking a moment to sort of celebrate whatever small changes you're making every day. You know, even still, sometimes I eat like food that isn't as healthy as I would like it to be. And if I get really hard on myself and I pause and I go, hey, you know, five years ago, you wouldn't have eaten this much kale in a day. So like you're making bigger steps. You know what I mean? Like I have to, or like whatever it is, I have to be like, I'm making better choices than I did even a month ago or a year ago. So sometimes you just have to pause and celebrate whatever that, that change is, that small changes that you've made. That is so true. I didn't even know what kale was before I became vegetarian, to be honest. I'd never had it in my life. And so the fact that it is a regular it makes a regular appearance in my smoothies or stir fries is really something. And and I have to remember that when Michelle and I are doing a video on 
what to eat vegan at Burger King. I have to remember that, hey, I did have kale this morning in my smoothie, so Mm -hmm. it's all good. Mm -hmm. It's wild. I don't think, I remember sort of faintly hearing about kale. You know, the crazy hippies ate kale, I guess, is what I thought. And I thought it was something that was only specific to people who lived on a farm and grew their own things, you know. But now I, I can't imagine my life without kale. But I sort of had the same experience. I, it, w- it was unfamiliar to me when I first went vegan. And what was the family situation? Was your family on board? Were they accommodating, supportive, respectful? Or did you have the more familiar story, which is people were like, oh, this is a phase or what are you doing? Or why are you doing this to me? Yeah, I'd say it, it was, it's been a mixture. In the very beginning, it was, I come from a meat and potatoes family. And I remember in the beginning, like a lot of people who go vegan and start cooking, they're like, I want to make this for you. And I want to do that. And my family was weirded out for by it. I remember my mom would be like, I'm not eating tofu. I'm not eating tofu. You know, I finally got her to eat tofu. And Things like I'd come home for Thanksgiving, you know, and this was maybe, I mean, even after my first cookbook came out, she'd be like, but you'll help with the turkey, right? And I was like, I don't know how to explain that I'm not going to help you cook a turkey anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it just, it took time, but I wouldn't say they were, they were always supportive, you know, sometimes a little weirded out, but my whole philosophy has been like, let people be weirded out and don't judge them for being weirded out. And that way, hopefully, when they're curious and they want to ask questions, they'll ask you questions. And when they ask those questions, you can answer them at that time, you know? Yes. Michelle actually had that situation happen a lot of times. Around the time we came out with a cookbook, people who were sometimes even maybe not disrespectful, but just not the most supportive came out of the woodworks and were like, Hey, I watched this documentary. I see you have a cookbook coming out. You've always been really nice. Can you, can you share information about this vegan stuff that you've been doing for quite a while? (laughs) (laughs) It's really great when people want to know and they're, and then it, it, they came to her too, because they're like, you're nice. And I like your content. So like they felt comfortable asking, right. And that's sort of the beauty of it, creating that that sort of safe place for people to not feel intimidated by the whole vegan aspect of it, you know? Oftentimes when you push, people push back. And if you just stop pushing and just live, (laughs) then people get a little curious. And that is, I know Tony, myself, most people who I know have been plant-based for a while or vegan for a while started out really passionate, a little pushy, maybe a lot pushy, and then evolve over time realizing like that doesn't really get anyone anywhere. No one wants to be pushed in any direction, but people will gladly learn and have conversation and explore if they feel like it's their choice. So that's really cool. That's exactly their choice. So that's a great way of saying it when they feel like they're kind of leading the conversation and they feel a little more comfortable and not like you're coming at them. I had a friend ask me the other day, how do I talk to my dad about this? I just watched Seaspiracy. I know you guys probably experienced this. Every time there's a new documentary out, there's a new flood of people and they're like, well, how do I tell everyone about this? And I'm like, you can just (laughs) tell them you watched a great movie and they should watch it. Like, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, Netflix makes it really easy on us. We yeah. don't have to be like, go find this niche documentary that you have to order from some obscure mm-hmm. place made by some weirdo. Like these are mainstream films now. All you have to be is like, check out your hottest, hottest right. Netflix yeah. things that are probably on that top bar. <laughs> and it's right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Netflix. And not mm-hmm. only Netflix, but why we brought you here today is to talk about cookbooks, which are kind of doing the same thing. Like years ago when we all started going vegan there weren't there wasn't it wasn't like you walk in the 
the bookstore and there's an entire section of vegan plant-based cookbooks. No, no, no. You had to hunt. (laughs) And there were a couple, a few, usually there were no photos. It was a very different landscape. But today, the biggest challenge is which one do you pick? There's 5 million out there. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> So we're really right. excited to talk about that today. We're, we're really excited. And I know for, my, for me, it was such a big part of how I learned how to cook and how I got interested in it. My experience with ingredients was very limited. I had what I liked. I knew pasta. I had a lot of canned foods. But I had never had kale. I had never had butternut squash. I had never had a sweet potato. And all of these are now huge parts of of how I cook. So it really inspired me to try new things, to understand that it was not limiting me to be vegan, but instead opening me up to a new world of ingredients and cuisines that I was unfamiliar with. And it also helped me feel like I had a friend in the kitchen. I remember buying Issa Moskowitz books, Colleen Patrick Goudreau and uh, Sarah Kramer and felt like, oh, these people are my friends. Yeah, And that is an awesome thing for someone who's just starting out who doesn't have a strong community in their personal lives. Absolutely. Yeah. it's uh, Books are cool like that because cookbooks specifically because it really is a timestamp sort of of what the author's doing in their kitchen in their life at their time or how they're explaining a lot of instances in some of them how they're explaining how they initially went vegan and how they navigated that as well so that's where where I really love the vegan cookbook landscape especially back in the day when I was first going vegan because a lot of the books were geared towards like here's how you do it you know yeah i, I i'm actually holding your book in my hand uh it- It just came out. It's epic, vegan, quick and easy, simple one pot and one pan plant-based recipes. I I hope everyone goes out and buys it. It's really beautiful. But some of the things that I'm looking for in a cookbook are photos. Check. You have a million of them. They're beautiful. (laughs) Affordability, accessibility, not five pages worth of directions oh my goodness. Uh, or ingredients. And so I appreciate all of those things about your book and about a lot of the cookbooks that are coming out. There's really a niche for everybody. If you grew up eating a specific type of food, now you can find vegan specific type of food cookbook. And it's amazing. Yes. Yes. It's so cool that the the vegan cookbook market is just full of exactly that. It's kind of like deciding what your goals are when you first go vegan or that thing that you think you're going to miss and then you can search for it and you can definitely find it. Yes. And you better than anybody have so much experience. Not only are you a cookbook author yourself, but you also talk a lot about it on your podcast. So What are some things that you are really glad that have changed in the past few years for cookbooks? I know photos, definitely. Yeah, photos for sure. And accessibility. I mean, that's sort of the thing. Like Michelle was saying earlier, it was like the the market wasn't, um, there just weren't 
the sort of books, or maybe Tony, you said it. One of you said it. You were saying there, you know, when you they were hippy dippy books. <laughs> yeah, you know, and what's cool on my podcast? So my podcast, Keep on Cooking, it's all about vegan cookbooks, and y'all have been on it with your very fabulous book, The Friendly Vegan Cookbook, and. I always talk to the authors about what their first vegan cookbook was because it's so interesting to me to find out like what those books were, what they first gravitated towards. And now on the market, that is sort of the cool thing about it. The thing that's changed is you can access anything. If you're looking for plant-based for weight loss or plant-based for a beginner or vegan comfort food, or you want whole food plant-based or budget cooking or instant pot cooking or air fryer cooking, you can all find all of that stuff in a vegan category now. And that's sort of the nice thing about it. And you know, website sites, not just Amazon, not just Barnes and Noble, lots of independent book websites, they all have reviews now. And there's lots of different vegan forums all over the internet. So you can actually find advice like true advice from people or feedback on books that they've really enjoyed libraries now have vegan cookbooks in them i get pictures every now and then of people that buy an extra book of mine and they donate it to their local library and and nothing makes me like more excited than seeing that because that's for somebody who maybe can't afford to buy a cookbook right and they'll go take out a library book so what's changed is the accessibility of it right it used to be so limited and now it's just this like just this wide array of availability. It's so cool. I'd like to shout out the library because that's where I learned how to cook. I used to check out books in the library. I didn't have a lot of money. And so investing in a cookbook was a big deal for me. And it it allowed me to check out a bunch of different books, try out some of the recipes and decide which one I could invest in. And that's how I got my first three cookbooks. And, uh, I was able to test them out. And actually, Michelle and I were talking about this earlier, but sometimes you go in a, into a cookbook and we don't have to name names and you <laughs> go through all of the ingredients and it just doesn't turn out the way you want it to. Sure. And that's good to know before you spend your hard-earned money on a book. Have you ever had that experience? Oh, yes, I've had that experience. And it's very disheartening, <laughs> especially when because especially when you're a cookbook author, as you both know, and you go and you do something and it doesn't turn out and you're like, I literally followed every instruction the way every like I can follow a recipe and I followed that to the T. And like it's I've done somewhere I've done it two or three times to be like, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? And that's I love that you say investment in the library because that's a perfect way to find out if the, a book is right for you. And then it is an investment. You know, some people don't want to have 20 cookbooks in their house. They want to have three cookbooks they can lean on and depend on. And guess what? Three is more than enough if that's all you want because they usually have, you know, anywhere from 50 to 150 recipes in them. One cookbook can get you a long way. So it is a is an investment to make. And I will tell you the first couple that I got to this day, I return to them over and over again, and one of them is just falling apart. The pages are just falling apart. I should actually probably buy a second copy of it because the pages are just falling out of it. What book? It. We need to know. Everybody's favorite. It's Chloe Coscarelli. It's Chloe's Vegan Kitchen. Yes, that's my favorite too. That is the book that I've cooked the most out of besides my own cookbook. <laughs> yes. Yeah, me too. It's the second cookbook, the second vegan cookbook um, I ever bought. And it, it really is just falling apart. There's a three pages like are just shoved in the back. And I'm always like, gosh, I wonder, I hope I don't need those recipes anytime soon because I'm about to lose them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I have probably purchased at least 10 copies of that book because 
it's one of those books with recipes that are good enough to share with non-vegan friends. And so when I'd have people over, I'd make like her stuffed shells or artichoke dip or whatever. Yes. And people are always like, I need that recipe. Mm-hmm. Michelle, like, I want to make that. And these are people who are not at all vegan or plant-based. And so I'm like, let me just order it on Amazon, have it shipped to your door. The book is yours. And people always report back saying that they've made a bunch of recipes. And that book and that experience especially contrasted with my other cookbook experiences, which I'll share in a moment, uh, really is what inspired me to want to write the Friendly Vegan Cookbook with Tony and to make it rigorously tested because I've also had experiences. I almost want to say it's like 50-50, which is scary. I'm hoping that your experience is different, Dustin. But a lot of times I'll get, I'll have a new cookbook. It My work being food blogging, I get sent a lot of cookbooks. I'm very fortunate in that sense. And when I go to try one out, I pick a recipe that looks good. And I've had a scary number of experiences where that first recipe I make is very not good. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it makes me not only definitely want not want to make anything else from the book, but also not want to donate the book, not want to share the book, not want to give Absolutely. it to a friend, not want to give it to a library because I don't want someone else to have a bad experience. So it, it just kind of like gets hidden in a corner of my garage. Totally. Because what do I do with that RIP vegan book? But RIP vegan book. That's like, I think the word is foolproof, right? We want foolproof. Yeah. We want, and I have gifted that Chloe Coscarelli book as well. It's just such an easy one. And it's so welcoming. Again, those words, welcoming, welcoming, accessible, delicious. It's budget yeah. friendly, all those things. So I love it. So that people know if they're first time buying a, a book, like what's the likelihood that they're going to try a recipe and it's not going to come out in your experience? I don't think, you know, I'd say they should be on. In my experience, it hasn't been 50 50. I'm happy to say it's maybe been 20, maybe 30, 70, 30% not turn out. But I'm also, and you're probably like this, when I'm reading it and I start cooking, I'm like, well, that's not going to work. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and everyone's brain isn't like that. So sometimes I'll let it play out and I just let it go. And other times, like, I'm like, well, this was my dinner for the night and I don't have time for this. I need to like fix this. You know what I mean? Right. So my brain thinks a little differently, I think, because I'm just like, oh, what did they do? You know what I mean? It's unfortunate, but I, I don't think it's... That's where it comes into like reading reviews and stuff like that, because people who have had that experience will tell you on that book. Yes. And don't snooze on the one-star reviews. Go read those and see what those... You can always tell when a one-star review is a bitter person, let's be honest. And then you can always tell also if it's an honest review, if someone's saying like, hey, I tried this and it didn't work for me, you know? Also, what we learned through the recipe testing process is that food is so personal. It is something that your personal preferences could be different than the 500 other people who've tested that same recipe. What we were experiencing during our recipe testing process where people were like, oh, too much salt or someone else saying not enough salt. Finally, in the plant-based on a budget cookbook, I wrote, salt to taste. And then I did a a description of what that means for my recipes because salt preferences vary so, so, so greatly. And if you look at my reviews, for example, many of them are good, but there are some that say, oh, this recipe has oil or this recipe has sugar or this recipe uses all-purpose flour and their personal preferences do not include those ingredients. So there is a cookbook for everybody and what is good for me and I love comfort food may not be good for someone who eats a whole foods plant-based diet. 
Right. And I do want to, and, and I don't want to like harp on this, but I do, for people reading reviews, use common sense about it. Cause what you said is exactly right. Someone saying, oh, this has sugar, this has salt, this has oil. Okay. Well, nowhere did it make a disclaimer that it doesn't have those things. I don't want to gloss over the review section because, you know, it's, it's so interesting. It's so, it's preferences, like you say. So I want people to keep that in mind when they're reading these reviews. You know, my, first epic vegan book is all about these over-the-top food combinations. Nowhere on the book does it say it's a health food book. On the front of the cover, it is a burger piled with mac and cheese, barbecue sauce, carrot bacon. It's a double-stacked burger. And I kid you not, I have reviews that are like, I have to return this. This is not a healthy cookbook. So there's people out there, right? The people out there that think that just because it's vegan, it's healthy, all that stuff like that, you know, and I will say though, it is a more healthful option than a double stack traditional burger with meat, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's people, I don't know why that person would have ever ordered that cookbook to begin with. You know what I mean? So when someone's making a comment on yours, Tony, about no, well, this has oil, this has sugar, this has all that, that's definitely their preference. And, and people who are seeking books and reading reviews, they have to have the common sense to sort of sort that stuff out of it, right? Because unfortunately, those reviews just aren't true. There's one on my first cookbook that says, this book has mayonnaise and it says it's vegan. I kid you not, in the book, it even says vegan mayonnaise in the in the recipe ingredient list. It's just crazy. And that person left a one-star review on the book. And it's just so uh. baffling to me. Yeah, but but so just everyone... Be conscious when you're reading the reviews because some of them are very beneficial and very helpful and people leave very thoughtful reviews, both good and their honest opinion that may not be so good, but they are really helpful if you can sift through all of that. Yeah. And for those who are users of cookbooks, it's kind of a helpful reminder to A, look for a cookbook that's a good fit for you. If you are whole foods, plant-based, following following like Dr. Esselstyn's heart attack proof diet, just because something's labeled vegan doesn't mean it's a book for you. So I think trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, they're probably going in this as brand new, not really fully understanding what vegan is or even the difference between vegan and plant-based. So I think there's just a lot of confusion around those words. And if any of you listening have a sense of that, where do I go? What cookbook is for me? There are keywords that you can look for in the description, the title. And then of course, like if you can see... Some cookbooks will show you examples of the recipes, but if you're looking at a, a cookbook that says vegan and has a picture of a juicy burger, <laughs> like, probably that's not a cookbook that's all about getting you to reverse heart disease and type 2 diabetes. But right, um, if you're right. looking for something that's maybe saying like plant-based, oil-free, blah, 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 like the, those keywords will be on the book. So you can find yep. exactly what you're looking for and try and do that ahead of time. And if you get a book that's not what you were looking for, maybe return it and don't harm the author unless you're making recipes and they're just not coming out, in which case I think it's so necessary. Like I, it, It's almost like a Yelp review for a restaurant. Yes, so I agree. grateful to be able to have the heads up of like, these don't even come out because there yep. are a lot of cookbooks like that. And I'd actually love to hear your experience, Dustin, because the cool thing about your podcast is you talk to all these different vegan cookbook authors and really dive into their experiences. And I know from talking to a lot of cookbook authors as well that 
there's a huge range in how much effort, recipe testing, time, mm-hmm. knowledge, experience, skill, expertise, thought, care, love <laughs> goes into each yes. recipe in a cookbook. Some people are just like, I want to write a book, throw together the recipes, not even having them tested, get it published, get it out. It's selling based on the cover. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other people are like, this is my baby. I'm going yep. to... That was one of the things that drew, drew me to Chloe's book. I went to her book signing in San Francisco when it first came out and she was there with her mom and she was talking about how a lot of these recipes are A, inspired by her family's recipes that she's been cooking since she was a child, but also how she and she and her mom would be in the kitchen testing a recipe sometimes Mm -hmm. seven, eight, nine, ten plus times to get it just right. And it really does take... I mean, if you're talking about 100 recipes in a book, to make a hundred recipes ten times each, <laughs> that is Listen, a lot of effort, and there's just corners cut sometimes. So it's good to have a heads up. Yeah, I mean, and and I will give another nod to the Chloe Coscarelli tribe in that sense that I, you know, I was lucky enough to intern with her, and later she became a great mentor of mine, and I, I helped with a couple of her last cookbooks, and she does not sleep. She will test everything over and over and over down to the tiniest pinch of salt. And I sort of learned from that. And when I went into my first cookbook, I was on a really tight timeline. And I kind of was like, that's not going to happen. And they were like, well, that's what needs to happen. And I'm not joking then. It was like, I I just infused Chloe Coscarelli because I didn't sleep. I was like, well, I'm not putting these things into a book unless I know People can actually make them and be happy once they make them. Because for me, if a cookbook author is putting something out there that could potentially not turn out, you're not necessarily helping, and this is on a bigger scale, but like you're not doing good for the vegan movement, the vegan cause. If someone's trying a recipe and it turns out poorly, then like it's so easy for that person to, to be like, that vegan food isn't good then because that recipe didn't turn out, you know, and that's just not true. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's the other thing you mentioned, sort of publishing pressure, which is a thing. Like you can be fully ready to create the book of your dreams and in your heart and recipes that you already know you're going to create the greatest recipes. But when it comes to it, you have a publishing deadline. You have deadlines that you have to meet. So it's just right rushed or what if things come in light up in life that you can't predict. And so there are a lot of different systems in place that can push through cookbooks that aren't to the highest quality. And part of the reason why I really wanted to do this episode with you, Dustin, is because I do see it that way. A a cookbook can make or break your plant-based experience. It could literally make someone feel disheartened about being able to create food that they are willing and excited to eat in the kitchen and then have them turn away from plant-based living forever. So finding the gold and avoiding the not so good is Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. key to cookbooks. So tell us your tips. Tell us some things you've loved. Tell us what to look for. Yeah, I think for me, and especially when I first went vegan or what, when people ask me now, that it's the thing we've always been talking about, like, what are your goals, right? Or sometimes it's like, for me, I was meat and potatoes. So I was looking through books like, there's this uh, Mongolian seitan in, in Chloe's that I make all the time. I make it for myself. I make it for clients because it is just basically like a barbecued seitan rice and broccoli dish. So easy, so delicious, so simple. But that's the things I'm looking for in books, like things that are familiar to me when I first went vegan. That's what I wanted to find. And when I'm looking through books now and on the podcast, as you guys know, I mean, I went through several recipes in your cookbook. I loved all of them. And I try and cook from every single cookbook 
that I have on the podcast because I want to come at it from a sense of being like, oh, I've had my hands on this. I've tasted this person's food. And there was one time I started testing a book and every recipe was just kind of not working out. And obviously I'm not going to name it, but I had to like politely be like, I'm not able to do this interview at this time because I didn't feel comfortable then. You know, the whole point of my, my podcast is to promote vegan cookbooks and help people know what's available, right? To sift through these sorts of things you're asking, like what kind and, and what do I need? What should I get? So that's why I created it. And I try and do different ones because of that. And this one cookbook, like they wouldn't, they just wouldn't turn out. The recipes weren't turning out. So I had to decline that one. But you know, again, what people are looking for, if you're a beginner, put those search words in. If it's comfort food you want, junk food, even vegan junk food, you know, they even have, there's a, a no waste vegan cookbook now. Um, I forget, Max Lamana, I think his name is. He's got, so if vegan food with learning tips on no waste is your sort of thing you want to get into. That's a great thing to do. Veg forward cookbooks. Think about popular restaurants. Crossroads has a cookbook. Veg in Philadelphia has a cookbook. So many different things that if you're just new to veganism and you maybe hear about it and you're a little intrigued, you can also go online and find sample recipes from those cookbooks. That's a great thing on Amazon now. They list sample recipes all the time so you can try some of them before you get it too. That's a really good tip. I know if you Google our book or I'm sure your book or almost any book, when you come out with a book, part of the media tour that you go on is providing sample recipes from the books to different bloggers across the internet. So you can get a shocking amount of the recipes from a book. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know we're I know we're <laughs> promoting cookbook authors here, but you can sample books that way. So if you just put in the name of a cookbook, you'll probably find a lot of sample recipes from it. I really love that. And then you are doing such a gift, Dustin, by doing that. Uh, so few people out there, I think, can say they've cooked several things from dozens of vegan cookbooks to be able to say whether they can give it their seal of approval enough to bring the author on, have a conversation, go deeper. And so for those listening, if you want to get a taste of what's out there without buying them and sampling them first, definitely, definitely listen to Dustin's podcast, Keep On Cooking. You have a lot of episodes with a lot of really, really cool cookbook authors. And that's the other thing that's been fun these days that's different from the past in the cookbook world. It used to be a cookbook would come out. And unless you're a chef on TV, you don't usually connect with and know the person who wrote the book. But these days, I feel like most people writing books also maybe have a YouTube channel like you did, Mm -hmm. Dustin, or have a, a really a blog that they've been writing and putting big parts of themselves into like you get to know that author through the book, but also in other ways, which is really fun. And if it is a blogger, you get to know their style of cooking before you get the book, which is great. You know, you can try all of their recipes on their blog and then just know like, okay, I trust this person. I know this person. I want to go deeper, which is one more tip that I have. If there are bloggers who you know and love the types of recipes they share, maybe you've made some and you're just like, oh, more like that. Oftentimes, bloggers will do roundups of their favorite cookbooks. So you could find like, like we have one on World of Vegan. I think Plant Based on a Budget has it. Dustin, if you don't already, then you need to create one and we'll drop it in the show notes. But it's like our top 10 favorite vegan cookbooks or vegan baking books, these roundups that people can really speak to what they've tried and loved. And if you already know you love that type of cooking, that can be a really good tip as well. 
Yeah, I actually did. We did a mini episode right before Christmas last year of the Keep on Cooking Pod. And I think I did like a, a gift list of like my 10 top 10 cookbooks on that. We will definitely share that in the show notes. Okay, so when you are using your own money to buy a cookbook and you are scouring the internet, what are things that you're looking for so that we can help give some practical tips and guidelines for our audience who may be interested in investing in their first cookbook? What are things that you're looking for? I want to look for something that actually has, I'm going to look for something that's been out for a while, isn't necessarily just like the popular new item. I'm going to be looking at the date of the publication, because I want something that's been out for a couple years, had some traction, has gotten some actual feedback on it. And I want it to be price friendly too. To me, sometimes you see a book that's got lots of pictures, but it has 50 recipes and it costs like $27 or something. To me, that's not really worth it. Like, I want to have lots of recipes in it. I do want to have photos and I want the price point to be around like, oh, $25 or less, right? Those are the main things for me. And, and like I said, I personally like it to have been out for a while, to have gotten some traction, to have gotten some true feedback on it instead of just like sometimes when you're looking for the new popular one, you just get a lot of the super fans who have left reviews that are like, oh, I love this person. I love everything they've done. And this book is amazing. And that's really sweet and great. And I love that that person loves that. And I love that energy. But at the same time, I want to see reviews from people who have sort of like cooked from the book, you know, so I get a, a true sense of like, how their experience was with it. And when you were writing your cookbook, besides the publication date, but what was there? Um, an alignment of what you're looking for and what you wanted to give in your cookbook? Always. So even with, you know, I talk about the last Epic Vegan versus uh, the new one. So the last one, Epic Vegan, and then the new one, Epic Vegan, Quick and Easy. With both of those, I'm always looking for accessible pantry items, ingredients that vegans or non-vegans, ingredients that non-vegans have in their pantry, regardless of they're curious of being vegan are never going to go vegan, whatever their reason is, I want them to be able to find a recipe in there where they're like, oh, I actually have everything in my cupboard right now. And I also like to always, there's like two to four ingredients I always have in my books that are new ingredients, because I do think that books are educational tools, you know, so they're not used in every recipe, but I do like to like push it just a little and be like, hey, you might not have this ingredient, but it is at your supermarket. And also, if you don't have it, maybe you can sub this, which you actually have. So to me, accessibility is always the key. A low price point on pantry, like staple pantry items that you always have. That is our dream too. <laughs> it sounds right? a lot like what drove us to write our book as well. I I love that. And I'm sure a lot of people resonate, listening can resonate as well. I'm so curious, Dustin, I know you have this online. You shared it in your gift guide and we will definitely link that. But I'm just curious to hear some of your all-time favorite ever cookbooks. Of course, Chloe's Kitchen is one that's tattered in your... (laughs) After all you've cooked from it. But what else? What else has like risen to the top of the huge pile? Uh, I should tell you, I'm looking at a pile, like six different piles right now. And then in my kitchen, there's of course a huge bookshelf. So... The Chloe's Kitchen and then Chloe's Italian Kitchen, also a favorite. I'm just going to shout that out. Issa Chandra Moskowitz, everyone out there, she has tons of books. If you're vegan, you probably have one on your shelf already. And I've cooked from several of them. But my favorite of hers is Issa Does It. 
Issa does it by Issa Chandra Moskowitz. I love it, love it, love it. Have you made the dilly stew from that book? I have not, but already it's I don't really know why good. It's I have got it. it sounds delicious. It's got like dumplings, so you make a really quick dough and you put it in the stew, and then you put the cover on, and it cooks the dumplings. And I just felt like such a top chef when I made it. <laughs> it's delicious. Oh, I bet. Oh, it sounds so good. It sounds everything in that book. I, I'm I've made a lot of stuff from there for me and my husband, but also for clients. There was a while I was cooking from there a lot for clients, and everyone loved everything from it. There's um. I just had a oh uh, Miyoko's homemade vegan pantry. That is when you when after you've been vegan for a while and you want to go a step further and start making your own mayonnaise or have a new a pancake mix on your shelf. That is a really fantastic book for the home cook to dig a little deeper and really feel like a top chef, like you're saying, because she just is so friendly and warm. And when she's she lays everything out for you with like very clear instructions. I mean, I've just started making yogurt. Have you guys made yogurt before? I just started making it. But I started with a base from her book and it was so simple. And then now I've started tweaking it and playing with it. But Miyoko's Homemade Vegan Pantry is a great one. And I'm not just saying it because I'm with you guys, but the Friendly Vegan Cookbook is truly fantastic. Usually I make one to two recipes when I have someone on the podcast and yours is so good that I just kept going back to it and making different things. And I've made the pot pie in it several many times at this point. Um, Aww, thank you. <laughs> I yes, remember oh when gosh. you were you were posting on Instagram, like you made really cool videos too when you were cooking from our book and we were just like, oh my God. And then I would see you post and I'd be like, I need to make that again now. <laughs> ah, well, and let me tell everyone out there, I don't do videos that often. The only time I do videos are when the recipes are not stressing me out. So that means that the recipes in your book are actually very approachable and easy and then also delicious. So that's great. There's also some great books by The Veg Cookbook. I mentioned earlier from Veg Restaurant in Philly. People get intimidated by those books easily because they're by, you know, he's, I, I think he won Chopped, uh, Chef Rich Landau and his wife, Kate Jacoby. But it's a really fun book for like vegetable forward cooking. So that's always been one that I've really, really enjoyed as well. The people who run Herbivore Clothing Michelle Schwegman and Josh Hooten, they have a book called Eat Like You Give a Damn. It is fantastic. It's actually very much along the lines of the Friendly Vegan Cookbook. Very accessible and like welcoming recipes for everyone. I love it, love it, love it. So those are a few. I mean, I could keep going. So I'm not just going to like, because I really love so, so many. Ooh, I'm going to give one more because I really do love it. If you are interested in oil-free, there's a great one called The Plant-Based Cookbook by Ashley Madden. She actually does all the photos for um, Epic, the Epic Vegan books. But it has opened my eyes to oil-free cooking. I always like did oil-free stuff and played with it a little bit. And I just got new clients who are all oil-free. So everything I'm doing is oil-free. And this book has just like held my hand for me and like led the way. So that's another great one if whole food plant-based oil-free is your type of thing, The Plant-Based Cookbook. Also, what a name. The plant-based cookbook, that is. The plant-based cookbook. <laughs> that's the best name ever for a cookbook. Yes. And I just made a list as you were <laughs> naming these off. Some of them I don't have, and they are now in my Amazon cart. So, Oh, I love uh, it. I love it. I will buy these cookbooks because I trust your judgment, and I hope that people who are listening do as well, and definitely check out your books. We will link all of them and definitely, definitely, definitely the Epic Vegan Quick and Easy 
Dustin's latest book. Ah, you're the best. And uh, we just are so appreciative of your time. We hope that everybody goes immediately, buys your book, checks out your podcast, and where can they find you on social media? So y'all can find me always forever. Everything is uh, veganroadie.com and at the vegan roadie on Instagram and Facebook. And for everyone who doesn't know, uh, oh, you did an intro. The vegan roadie is a web series, like a plant-based version of diners, drive-ins and dives. So you can always check out those episodes on YouTube as well. We got three seasons up there. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. And we will definitely link everything below. Thank you for having me. Hugs. Yay! Next up is our sponsor, Caraloha. Michelle and I both love their sheets. They are so soft. And usually I wouldn't splurge to have fancy sheets in our guest bedroom. I would just have whatever sheets, but we upgraded our bed once we got Eddie from a queen to a king. And we had already had Caraloha queen sheets. So now our guest bed has these really high premium sheets and they're so soft uh, and all of our guests love them. And and then we of course have some on our big bed and I just, they're so soft. I can't get over how high quality they are. What a treat. It is so true. It's like the littlest things actually make the biggest impact. And when you curl up at night and get to scoot into the softest sheets, it is luxury at its finest. I think Caraloha is a great spot to look if you're looking for some nice quality gifts to send to friends that also have an eco-friendly slant to them. Um, They have so many different things on their site. Of course, they have bedding and, and all of that. But they also have apparel and they have some fun things like socks and beach blankets that are really, really beautiful. And then they have some cool things as well, like weighted blankets. I know for people who have trouble sleeping or have anxiety, they they can be helpful for a number of different things. And I got my first weighted blanket from Caraloha and it is so enjoy. I like it. It feels like you've got a lot of weight on you with the blanket. So it's not for everybody, but it's made from bamboo. So it's more sustainable than a lot of the options out there and kind of cool. And uh, lastly, I was checking out their website and they are actively becoming 100% carbon neutral. And they also invest a lot of their resources into reforestation, renewable energy and community projects. So they're just an overall good company with high quality products. And you can learn more about them and their mission at caraloha.com. As I mentioned in the intro, Dustin is just a really, really nice person. And I super enjoyed talking to him. I hope you enjoyed listening. I also wanted to mention, Michelle and I actually, we didn't talk about our favorite cookbooks in the episode. So my favorite three cookbooks are The Joy of Vegan Baking by Colleen Patrick Goudreau. I have really been loving Sam Turnbull's books. I'm going to count them as one, but she's got two books that I really enjoy and I'll link those in the show notes. And then another cookbook I really, really, really love. I guess my... Actually, let me think on that one for my third and final one. And Michelle, you tell yours. Well obviously ours. My favorite cookbooks are pretty similar to your, yours. I love Sam Turnbull's. I think her cookbooks are really great. Tony, I love Plant-Based on a Budget. That one's really helpful, especially it will save you money, which I always love. And Chloe Coscarelli's, Isa. I mean, it's all the same names. 
But we do have a couple guides on World of Vegan that I put together, not only for we have the top 10 vegan cookbooks that every herbivore needs, but we have one that's specifically for baking. And we'll be putting together more guides that are tried, trusted, favorite vegan cookbooks in different categories. So if you're looking for something specific, hopefully those can can help out. But I wanted to say, we talked a, a bit about reviews in this episode. And for those listening, leaving a review is such a powerful way to support a creator, whether it is an author, leaving a reviews, review on Amazon. You can just look at your bookshelf. If you have a few vegan cookbooks and you want to take a few minutes at night while you're chilling, watching some Netflix and leave some positive reviews on Amazon. I know that would mean the world to the authors, and it will also help bring those cookbooks up in the ratings on Amazon. Maybe it'll lift it above, you know, your favorite meat-based cookbook that pops up. So that's a really great way to support not only cookbook authors, but also restaurants that have great vegan options, vegan eateries, anywhere where you can leave reviews, podcasts. <laughs> we always we always mention how grateful we are for those leaving reviews for our podcasts. But if you have a few minutes at night, I think that's a great form of advocacy, appreciation, and also just spreading, spreading some goodwill and love. We are going to drop everything that we've chatted about in the show notes, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a Thanks good one. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. And just a really quick reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode, Better Than Bouillon, which is awesome. If you're cooking from any cookbook, any recipe calls for vegetable broth, you can use Better Than Bouillon and water instead. And that's what I do for essentially all recipes that I make. I never use broth anymore. I use bouillon and water. Thank you, Better Than Bouillon. And a big thank you also to Caraloha. It's the brand that we know and love that makes their products from sustainable bamboo. And you can find lots of bedding, bath, apparel for your own home and to treat yourself or as a gift for a friend at caraloha.com. And you can find more about both of those in the show notes. 